A very good morning to you. Welcome into today's programme. We're with you on this Monday morning right through until 12 midday. Let's go to trending topics. And uh, Joshua Byrne, indeed, our colleague, sits opposite me today. Joshua, what have you got for me today? Well, we've got a busy week, Keith, in the social media and tech world. A lot of platforms and companies rolling out new features. Uh, we'll look at what Instagram are doing this week. Uh, we're going to look at LinkedIn. And then we'll move on to looking at something, uh, this big tech release uh, that I think is going to shape a lot of what we see in tech in 2024. So take me through with them. What is uh, Instagram up to? So Instagram is introducing these new nighttime nudges for teens. Uh, so to explain this simply, basically, it's uh, it's to help teens limit their time on the app. Uh, and this is something that I think was desperately needed uh, because even myself when I was younger, you know, I would mindlessly scroll on Instagram for ages. What that does to your attention span, you know, is really bad as well. It has terrible effects really, really? On, on teens. Oh, well, it's all, see, it's all short form content. So like when you're scrolling, you're mindlessly scrolling and you're consuming these, you know, short contents and then you go into you go into school and you sit in class and you have to pay attention for 40 minutes when when you go home and you scroll on your phone you're seeing things that comes at you and everything is packed and concise into Mm. 20 seconds and then you have to pay attention to a teacher who wants you to listen for 40 minutes and you're not able to do it you know even reading a book that kind of thing um as uh, i suppose I think one thing that helps attention spans for teens and stuff is, you know, actually reading not on digital devices. But anyways, um, so this new feature is, uh, so it'll appear when teens have spent more than 10 minutes uh, on on Instagram. Uh, so if you are scrolling on Instagram for 10 minutes in a row, um, you will get this reminder. Uh, so this notice will come up and it'll say time for a break. Uh, question mark and then it's followed by it's getting late consider closing Instagram for the night Um, so this is going to start appearing on teenagers phones uh, after 10pm so these are actually how will they know they're teenagers will they they put in the right age they could put in the wrong age well there's that there is that Um, so that that would be the main problem with this because I I know um I know when I was younger, I, I put in, you know, that I was over 18, mm. whatever. Um, and, uh, you know, obviously uh, this this can happen. But for the ones who have their correct age in there... Um, it's a safety net for them. Yeah, it is indeed. And, um, you know, one thing that's good about it is that Instagram have actually implemented this feature and it, it actually can't be turned off. So if you have your correct age in there and your... Um, on Instagram, you know, after 10 o'clock, uh, you, you will get these. You can't opt out of them, which mm, is good. Good. And what is the Instagram testing collections and what does that do? Well, so uh, they're basically, they're testing this feature called collections and it's going to, what I think, it's going, it's going to be similar to Visco. Uh, they have a collections, Visco's uh, social media app. What does it do? And it's, well, it's, it's basically uh, putting... Uh, a collection of photos together. So on Instagram, you see, when you go onto someone's profile, you see um, uh, photos in a chronological order, uh, you know, from time. Mm-hmm. Um, but with collections, you would be able to click into, say, uh, you go to a lot of concerts or football games or something like that, and you take pictures at these events, 
uh, and you post them on Instagram. So you'd be able to have a collection of, oh, these are the concerts I went to. These are the football matches I went to, you know. Um, you can already do that on Instagram with highlights, uh, but this would be um, an actual feed post uh, instead of a story post. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, it, it would, I, I suppose this is going to help you know, regular people as well, but mostly I would say influencers who are going to put their content into, you know, nice, niche collections and kind of folders, pa- just pa- more accessible. There, yeah. Uh, what is LinkedIn up to, can I ask you? Uh, well, LinkedIn are introducing sponsored posts. So this is one for the working professionals, whether you're in sales, uh, recruitment, PR, anything like that. Uh, LinkedIn, LinkedIn has introduced sponsored posts and these will be important because you know, if you're working in this kind of industry, you want to reach the widest audience possible. Um, LinkedIn has over 830 million members. Um, wow. So, you know, obviously it's the largest professional networking site in the world and sponsored posts, uh, it's going to help you reach a wider audience of potential customers, clients, and you're going to be able to target, you know, specific people a bit easier. Um, so for you know working professionals, then uh, it's it's going to be a huge help. Especially, I, I think this is going to be massive for people working in recruitment, um, who are you know looking to basically uh, find the um, people with the best experience in the in the field, people who are going to be the right fish for particular jobs. Um, so yeah, like that, you'll target audience. Um, you'll increase your brand awareness. Um, you'll generate leads, uh, driving traffic to your company, um, and hopefully build relationships uh, with potential customers. You know, if you're seeing something uh, that catches your eye quite a lot, and you keep seeing it, uh, you know, even on other social media platforms, you tend to, you, you know, you grow a liking to it, and uh, you almost—it's strange—you almost feel. Um, connected to it in a way mm. you know you, you keep seeing this 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 company that's doing something that you like or something like that you know you almost when you see it you know you almost feel connected to it in a certain way like you know uh, yeah. so this kind of thing building relationships with so it's a kind of a comfort then as well that you can you have it that, is actually yeah, yeah comfort, comfort is probably the best word yeah. for it yeah Apple, I just love Apple and and the way that they launch stuff indeed. What is Apple's Vision Pro, can I ask you, uh, Joshua, please? This is going to be, this this is going to be a really interesting one. Now, this... What uh, is it? So the Vision Pro, it's basically a VR headset. And we, we've all seen these mm. VR headsets before and, you know, you might say, oh, well, that, you know, that's kind of old news at this point. But Apple, uh, like, uh, Apple haven't really tried their hand at this before. And... Uh, watching, you know, videos of their, you know, getting ready to launch uh, the Apple Vision Pro, it, it really does look interesting. Now, you know, the price is very, very high, um, but it's going to provide basically this spatial computing experience. Um, and I have to say, it's nothing like I've seen from any sort of VR headset before. Um, so, you know, you'll be able to pin... Uh, different apps on your screens and stuff so the uh, Apple apps that you know iPhone users are used to um, are going to be become part of your kind of reality Um, now obviously it's a big piece of gear to wear on your head you know you're not going to walk around wearing it into town or whatever 
But, um, you know, when you're at home, if you have a home office or something like that, you know, this would be ideal, really, uh, for working. And um, basically how you're going to use it is... Um, is very different to any other VR headset that that I have, you know, tried or tested or anything. Um, so there's no remote controls. We know with VR headsets, there's usually uh, two remote mm. controls you have in either hand. Uh, but instead, the Vision Pro uses advanced cameras and sensors to track your eye and hand movements. So to open a certain app, uh, you're going to click your index finger and thumb together. Um, and so basically you look at a particular thing and you just tap your index finger and thumb together, and it'll open it. It's uh, it's insane, really. You know. Yeah. Um, and can you watch telly on it? Can you watch movies on it? Can you do other stuff rather than games and stuff? You can. You can watch movies, TV, uh, TV shows on a screen that feels up to a hundred feet wide. Is what Apple are saying. Wow. Um, you can play games. Uh, so one thing that's interesting as well, there's these, uh, so on the strap that goes around the back of your head, just above your ears, there's these audio, um, these audio, spatial audio little buds. Uh, so basically this is going to play music and it's going to feel like it's playing around the room, but no one else can hear it. Mm. It's, uh, so it's, it's, it's really interesting. Um, you're gonna be able to you'll be able to take photos with it as well, and these cameras are really really good. Um, you know, it's like it, it will be like taking photos with the human eye, basically. Mm. Um, and for work as well, you're gonna be able to navigate through apps really easily. Uh, you know, with the with the kind of mechanisms I explained earlier. Um, and one thing that people I think are going to really like about it in sort of a home office environment is the fact that you're able to use multiple apps at once. So you could have uh, you could have a music app here. You know, if you like to work with music, you could have your Safari, which is Apple's um, Apple's uh, search engine. Yeah. yeah, search engine. Sorry, yeah. um, and then you know, on the right hand side, you could have if you have a Word document or something uh, or, or Google Docs or whatever it is and you're working on something uh, and this will all be right there in front of you. And one thing as well, uh, Apple are Apple are really pushing the fact that it's not going to feel like you have a VR headset on. You know, it's, it's lightweight, uh, it's comfortable and once you're used to it, um, you know, when you're looking through the, the screen as well, um, I've I've seen videos of it and and it literally it's gonna feel like you're not wearing anything at all. Wow. And when will that become available? And you said it's quite expensive. So is it it's, is it at the top of, top level of expenditure? It, it is, yeah. So it, it's going to come out in a few days' time. Uh, February second is the release date. Um, and I I think this is you know if you're if you're into tech, this is going to be huge for 2024, and it's really kind of reopened the market for VR because I think you know the VR headset was big a few years ago. You know you know you've seen the videos of the uh, the the dads and granddads and and grannies at Christmas time, you know, with the VR headset on and stuff. You know this is a few years ago now that 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 VR headsets came out, but I think this is kind of reopened the market. You know a new it's kind of, you know, they've reimagined, Apple have reimagined the concept. And, you wow. know. Joshua Byrne, thank you indeed for joining us for Trending Topics and uh, we'll keep an eye out on that uh, Apple rollout as well and uh, you'll keep us fully informed as well. Quick commercial break and we're back just after these. <laughs> 
Now, we have a little bit of magic for you this morning, and I mean magic, I mean real magic, so I do. You may have heard on local news about a really special event that took place in recent days in the University of Galway. It was the Teddy Bear Hospital at the University of Galway, and every year it attracts hundreds of kids and their sick bears looking for treatment. X-rays, blood tests, body scans, special medicines, casts and even surgery. The doctors there have all the -the state-of-the-art equipment needed to ensure a full recovery for the teddy bears. David Nevin was there to chat uh, to the uh, children and uh, kids and those running the hospital as well. And he's made this extended feature for us here on Galway Talks. It really and truly is pure magic. Well, if you go down in the woods today, you're sure of a big surprise. If you go down in the woods today, you'd better go in disguise. For every bear that ever there was will gather there for certain, because today's the day the teddy bears have their picnic. First, this teddy was called Mr. Teddy, and he has a worm in his brain. And there was blood coming out, and then we did surgery, and he feels better in a few days. He was sick because I put some medicine. He's getting, in a few days, it will get, okay, then there's a plaster. He's so hurt. That's why I put a plaster there. And he said um, he, had a, he had a worm in his brain. How did, how did that happen, do you think? I think he swallowed the brain. He swallowed it. My turtle is hurt because he has a crack on the shell and the crack is on the X right in the middle. It's a pretty serious crack on his shell yeah. I see there in the x-ray. Um, how do you think that happened? I think he remembered him falling off something and I don't remember what that something is. So his name is Rudolph and uh, my name is Esme and uh, I think he, and he has a broken leg. He's a broken leg, okay, it looks painful. Um, how did that happen? Uh, he fell down the bar stairs. And uh, he looks like he's bandaged up there. He's got a plaster on, so it looks like the doctors have taken pretty good care of him. Yeah, yeah, it is. And uh, will he have to kind of maybe stay in bed for a while when he gets home? Uh, I think so. Maybe he needs three days to uh, go better. Hi, my name is Nisha. I'm one of the co-auditors for Sancha Society, which runs the Teddy Bear Hospital each year. The goal of the Teddy Bear Hospital is to reduce the fear and anxiety that a lot of kids face when they're visiting the doctor or the hospital for the first time. So our goal is to really create this atmosphere of trust where children can deal with their feelings towards health, disease, and anything healthcare-related. And it's not just about like doctors and nurses and stethoscopes. You can have a full advanced diagnostic suite here today as well, and there's even some surgeons. Lots of surgeons, we have an x-ray station, a vital station, pharmacy station. And so lots of fun things for the kids to do here. Lots of things to help heal their teddies. Yeah. You kind of need all the specialization you can get because there's teddies here with all kinds of ailments. There's teddies who have uh, drunk too much cola the night before and a teddy that maybe broke his back doing a backflip off the roof. Yeah, in my opinion, honestly, the best part about the Teddy Bear Hospital is the creativity and the imagination that these kids come in here with. It's amazing to hear all their stories about what happened to their teddy and like, oh no, there's a fracture in their leg and how did that happen? Oh, well, they were bouncing on the trampoline and they fell off. It's just great to hear from them. Yeah. Every teddy bear who's been good is sure of a treat today. There's lots of marvelous things to eat and some wonderful games to play. He was sneezing a lot and coughing a lot yesterday, so 
I was calling the Teddy Bear Hospital to take care of him and I come to today so and he's sneezing a lot and coughing and I took the it's x-ray to make sure that there's nothing bad going on in his body. And what did the doctor say? The doctor said that you just need to give it loving care and give it special medicine and give it two shots and just hug it for two minutes. And I know you're going to do that, but are you going to mind him as well at home, maybe uh, put him in bed for a while? Yeah, but I'm not going home right now. I just got it here. His name is... And he fell off the stairs and he broke all his arms. Wow, he broke all his arms. That's pretty serious. So he needs to stay in bed for five months. I am Jessica. I'm also a co-auditor of Slauncha Sock. And this is absolutely our favorite event of the entire year. We get to share our passion for health and medicine with such brilliant young little minds and it makes us really happy to see them get excited about that kind of stuff as well and hopefully promote health in their everyday lives whether it be at school with their teachers or at home with their families it is just really exciting to see them eager to learn fun isn't really a word we'd associate with a hospital setting usually but the kids really are having an an amazing time here today That's our hope, honestly. The more fun that they have, the more they'll enjoy it and hopefully promote it themselves. At the end of the day, the the aim is to ensure that kids are, you know, not just comfortable in a hospital setting, but that they don't see doctors or nurses as something to be afraid of or, or to be a bad thing. Exactly. Creating that bond, that trust very early on is really the main aim, we think, of Teddy Bear Hospital. Picnic time for teddy bears. The little teddy bears are having a lovely time today. Watch them, catch them unawares, and see them picnic on their holiday. He broke his bone. And uh, looks like his arm, is it? No. Look here. Oh, I see. Uh, I'm not a doctor, so I, I misread that one. So he broke his leg. Um, how did that happen? He was climbing up a mountain and he saw a banana. So then he ran up, but slipped down and hurt himself. Wow, he was climbing a mountain. Uh, were you there as well? No, I didn't see him. You'll have to tell him uh, not to climb any more mountains for the next while. I actually did tell him. But he didn't listen. Yep. He was running and then he accidentally put his foot on a really heavy walk and he broke his foot. Woof woof. This is woof woof. And what's wrong with woof woof today? He was flying and broke his paw. He was flying? Yeah. And broke his paw. Okay, that looks that looks painful. Um, Does he fly often? Yeah. And how, how far would he fly? Would he fly so high that you don't see him anymore? He wouldn't do that, he would fly to the moon. So my name's Emily and I'm the uh, arts director on Slaunch Sock this year. So the pharmacy station at Teddy Bear Hospital is where the children come with their teddies to get their treatments. So whether it's a plaster, whether it's a bandage, a medicine, an injection, anything they need. And it's a great opportunity for the kids to have this contact with medicine and be able to hold Teddy's hand, be brave with Teddy, whatever it is, so that they're just used to dealing with these sometimes scary things like injections, like vaccines, anything that it might be, and then also some extra helpings of 
hugs and kisses and lots of fresh fruit and whatever advice Teddy might need to get better. I'm looking at a kid here in front of us and it's, uh, it's a very hands-on experience. Yeah, no, it is great. And I suppose the interaction is probably what is the biggest thing for reducing children's anxiety when it comes to healthcare and hospitals. So getting them to spoon the medicine to Teddy themselves is a great way to just kind of alleviate those fears that they have. A cat sticker. He was sick and he hurt his leg. Um, how did he hurt his leg? By... Uh, he accidentally slipped. My name's Rakea and it hurt his leg and his uh, bone. Uh, he had to go to the x-ray. He hurt his ear. He was tumbling. He was tumbling. Uh, were you there when this happened? Yeah. And uh, how did the doctors fix him? They put a bandage on it. She was climbing a tree after a cat and she fell down and she broke her leg. And does she climb trees often? Yes, a lot. But it was a very high tree and she fell down. He broke his leg. And how did he break his leg? He's tripped over a stone. Hi, my name is Larissa and I'm a first year medical student here. So today I'm doing vitals for the teddy bears. So we are taking their heart rate, we're taking their blood, we're giving them some painkillers, we're taking their temperature, and then we're sending the kids to either x-ray or surgery and pharmacy to try help get their teddies better. I was actually just at the pharmacy a minute ago when I was watching the kids and it's a really hands-on interactive um, approach and uh, this table's no different. Yeah, it is, absolutely. It's really lovely seeing all the kids get so excited about it and having the kids ask questions about how their teddy's doing. And it's really, it's a really lovely experience. The kids are having a lo- lovely time. The flamingo and uh, she broke her beak. She broke her beak? Oh, I haven't heard that before today. Um, how did that happen? Uh, she was uh, in the water trying to get um, some, some water and she uh, she bent her, her, her beak on the stone. She got whipped arm. How did that happen? He was, he, was, he was on the tree and then he fell down. He fell down, but he's, uh, he's at the teddy bear hospital today. So how do you think the doctors are going to fix him? By giving him... By giving him medicine, I think. Oh, he has a bad cold, and his name is Malvin, and and I'm just uh, uh, checking him out. He got a sore turtle, and he ate too much sweets every day, though. He ate too many sweets, and where do you think he got the sweets? Um, from the cupboard. I don't think he should be in there, should he? They're so drowsy, so sleepy, they're tired, little teddy bears.
Ethan, that just totally magical, wonderful, isn't it? Well done to David Nevin and the crew indeed on that. And well done to the Teddy Bear Hospital team and the hospital as well and the medical students and all that did it. I just love and to hear the young people talking about, I mean, the beak of the bird um, because he was searching. Just lovely stories and, ah, God, I think that's just total magic. A very good morning to you. Welcome on into today's programme. We're with you right through until 12 midday. I'm joined by Neve Regan from Kilrikal and she's announced her hometown uh, show. It's taking place this coming February the 2nd in Antiviark. But she's going to perform for us this morning and she's going to perform Save the Day. Neve in your own time. Watch the matter with the time keep it round circles around me all day. Why can't I complete a task and feel good at the end of the day? Why don't you turn the TV off, go out and feel that sun on your face? I can't explain that lump in my chest that holds me down, pushes you away. And I told you I was doing just fine this way. There's no need to worry that way I'm doing it for you, doing it for the kids' sake I wish I could save the day What's the matter with mercy? It doesn't call around here no more No quick fixes knocking at your door No quick fix coming soon They told me to take Even if that means I can't feel my face I'm doing it for you Doing it for the kids' sake I wish I could save the day Told you I was doing fine this way On my own, my own way I wish I could save the your bed and which superpower did you wish for before you started wishing you were dead why can't you remember the good old days why can't you remember me the sting from the nettle you let me nurse it with some dark leaves Some sadness just feels this way When you lose sight of your fortune When you lose sight of your fortune
That's Neve Regan there with Save the Day. What a beautiful bit of music. Um, where do you get your style from, can I ask you? How long are you involved in music? Well, I guess I've been involved in music full-time since 2020, uh, when my first album came out. And when regards to like where I get my style, I listen to an awful lot of Joni Mitchell and Tom Waits and... Um, yeah, a lot of singer-songwriters and growing up I listened to a lot of Lisa Hannigan and Villagers and all that. So, yes. And was there always music in the house? I mean, when you were growing up, or are you a musical family? Musical family, yeah. Always uh, grew up with um, some form of a CD or someone singing in the background. And, you know, I started off learning trad and tin whistle like everybody else in school and just loved it so much. Went on and learned flute. Uh, with Yvonne Barrett out in Kildema and then um, yeah just really enjoyed being in Katie Bands and Group Cules and all that crack and then as I became a teenager I started writing songs on the guitar and kind of leaving the trad world a tiny bit but wow. it's always there Isn't there a hotbed though of um, music in that Kilrikil Kildema that whole area there there's, there's an awful lot of music Absolutely there's a great richness in East Galway particularly you know you've got Banakil and all the that rich tradition of um, trad music and the Fahis out there and, you know, the Brodericks in Lockray And, yeah, it's just great to have a great foundation um, when it comes to writing your own music, even if my current style has nothing to do with, or maybe it has lots to do with, but hasn't, um, it doesn't sound like trad, but it has a foundation. That's where it was built from. That's where but I learned everything. But it's your music. And it's, I mean, we, what we've heard there, Save the Day is beautiful. Absolutely. I mean, the oh, lyrics to it, the sentiment in it, the whole lot. I'm sitting in studio with you and listening to it and it's just, it's it's very, very, very special. Now you're going to be in Antibiac on the 2nd of Feb and then you're heading from there then to Kilkenny. So you're on a fair old run, so you are now. Yeah, there's a fair chunk of dates and, you know, absolutely delighted to be back out doing doing some gigs and um, doing these particular shows solo and I was kind of well shocked that people were actually willing to come and hear me just play the guitar and piano and stuff so delighted that Dublin and Cork all the Cork dates and Dublin have sold out and now I'm just really um, excited to do a hometown gig in Galway so. And the acoustics in Antiviac are lovely so they they're are gorgeous, I can't they wait really are. And small and intimate and yet you're in the centre of town Exactly and you know personally I love a gig where you can sit down on comfy seats and it's just a real listening gig so I can't wait for that nice intimate venue and is, it, is it a solo event or do you have others joining you as well? I'm, uh, I have Seba Safe from Pertumna. He's coming in to join us uh, to open the act. He's a fantastic guitar player, great writer. And um, yeah, really excited for him to play before. And then it's all solo because it's kind of a run before I release my second record, which is going to be um, kind of more band orientated, but there might only be one or two shows with that. And uh, where can they get details on your music? I know they can get tickets from Antivac if they want to get tickets for there. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, when you see what the Sunday Times say, say about you, a quietly stunning debut, uh, a quiet and determined triumph, the Irish Times, they love you. Oh. Rightly so. Oh. <laughs> well, they're just nice things. It's always nice to get good feedback. But you can get tickets anyway for the rest of the show on um, my Instagram or my website. It's www.neveregan.com or indeed look up Blackgate because they're running and putting on the event. And um, I'd actually like to say a big shout out to the lads in the Blackgate. That whole creative team are the reason why I'm in music full time. Oh, and, they're um, just great people. They're amazing. And if, if it wasn't for them, I wouldn't be doing this at all. So big Neve, shout out to them. 
Good to have you, Neve Regan, uh, from Kilrekel, and thank you indeed for joining us uh, today. And again, those dates again are the uh, 2nd of Feb in Antiviark, 3rd in Kilkenny, um, the 4th in, in Cork City is sold out from there, uh, the 8th year in Limerick, upstairs at Dolan's, another great venue, and uh, the 9th year in Wicklow and the Whale Theatre there, and uh, you're in Belly de Hob in Levi's, you're in Kinsale, and uh, you're in Dublin. And you're in that beautiful Unitarian church in Dublin as well. It's just yeah. absolutely gorgeous. Yeah, again, the acoustics. Acoustics, acoustics. <laughs> You're welcome any time. Uh, whoever's in the seat here, would love to have you as well. Neve Regan, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. Thanks, Neve. Now, though, let me change altogether. I want to go to um, a story that's just come across our desk in the last couple of minutes where humanitarian funds after storms Babette and Kieran are to be doubled. Uh, the government is to double the humanitarian fund created to assist businesses and organisations affected by storms Babette and Kieran uh, late last year. Let me go to Councillor Martina Canan, who joined us from the scene in Clarenbridge, indeed, on the morning of, and she joins me on the line now. Uh, Martina, Councillor Canan, good morning to you. Thanks for joining us, Martina. Um, this is good news. How will this be distributed, do you know? Kate, yes, this is positive news, I suppose, and I welcome it greatly. Now, I haven't the, the as they say, all the details at the no. moment, but one, one a piece, what I do understand at the moment, which I hopefully isn't that I'm wrong, but my understanding is that the, there is an increase, doubling of the assistance, but what I understand at the moment is there's no increase in the the actual fund to individual businesses, which is something I've been advocating for, especially for areas like Clarenbridge and Canvara, mm. but Clarenbridge businesses in particular. Um, what you know, uh, you know, what disappoints me is at this moment in time is. I think the government need to get this right funds going forward, like the humanitarian funds, because as we all know, the alarming amount of storms that's happening is uh, it, the, this problem is not going away. No. And especially on the recent report, uh, reports that's out from the EPA, like stating this, that they're, they're even alarmed and there's a particular worry for communities. Um, so it is welcome, but... Um, you know, I, I think I'm still going to be asking more questions because, Keith, at the moment, as I think I've said before, there's anomalies exist within this fund and particularly around where business have partial insurance. And this is really affecting um, a really um, a large, um, very, um, a really good company or business in Clarenbridge, which have been refused have been refused this fund on this basis um, and this isn't right and I think we as I said what do you mean they've been refused what do you mean refused um, they've been actually refused any funding from the humanitarian refund uh, fund they've been advised that they're not eligible and what criteria can I ask you roughly this uh, on the fact roughly without giving out too much information I'm no. working with Minister um, Minister Michael McGrath on this it's actually to do with an, an, an issue with insurance with the insurance company the fact that the, there is partial insurance to uh, to part of his company a uh, part of his business the humanitarian won't kick in the fund can kick in which is as I say, is one of those lines in in the application, which ha, you know, which is very upsetting for a lot of businesses. The announcement is very welcome, but the amount of uh, red tape that exists has to be dealt with, but, and and that's still there. Correct me if I'm wrong, now, and please correct me, please, please. But my yeah. understanding is that um, if if you you can have insurance for third party 
uh, fire and theft and all that. But in, in certain cases, some of the businesses that we're referring to, and we're not being specific about the business in question, yeah. you can't have for flooding. But like you have to have fire and theft and third party and public yes. liability. You have to have it. So, I mean, it's, it's fairly simple. They don't have it for flooding. I came up with a solution that the public bodies, which is a government-owned um, insurance firm, they're the ones that the government should be giving out you know, and policies to such businesses into the future. And then it's not coming out of the government coffers. Pay pay it for them and otherwise. Uh, but that doesn't make sense at all that because you no. have to. And I, I absolutely agree with you, Keith. And, um, you know, this is the problem. This is the problem. You know, all these issues needs to be, well, I won't say trashed out, but, you know, we need to look more deeply into these funds when they are being created by whoever in Dublin is creating them. The criteria, like many other criteria that even exist in Galway County Council, every year we're told about millions of, of euros available for, I'm not going to go away from the issue, but for active travel. And all of a sudden the, um, the goal posts are moved and the criteria is changed and funding then cannot be applied for, you know, people cannot apply for this funding. And this is the same here. This is a huge anomaly that um, that partial insurance, um, as you say, can't go into specifics, but partial insurance is on a business. And okay. this business didn't apply, it didn't claim the last time for any flooding. And now it's thousands, hundreds of thousands, I understand. And he's just looking for, this business is just looking for Pacific in, uh, um, funding to get their business back up okay. to an extent can, that they can work. But can yeah. I just take it another way? We say the business in question that we're not being specific of, we're not naming anything. Um, but if, if it's a thing uh, that they didn't have public liability, that they didn't have fire and they didn't have theft, if it burned down, there'd be no humanitarian aid. If people steal from it, there'd be no compensation for it. But worse than that, if a public liability, if somebody trips and hits their head off the fridge and they're concussed and the case is taken against them, uh, the proprietor of that shop is held liable. So they, they have three out of four. And because they can't get the fourth, because the insurance company won't give it to them, they're being penalised with this fund. That's, well... That's that's the issue at the moment, and it's 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 a it's a massive concern, and and I suppose, as they say, you know, I'm you know, it's it's not until the issue until something like this crops up, but it's going on now for weeks, and as of last weekend, it hasn't been addressed. But as I say, it has been brought to the Oireachtas; it's gone as high as possible, but it still needs to be addressed, and. And I'm hoping um, this has been addressed about giving out uh, increase in funding, which, as I said, is very welcome. But I mean, again, the extent of the damage was not, uh, you know, I, I don't think it hit home okay. until the figures so, went to Dublin. So can you get on to the relevant minister? I mean, there's, there's a few ministers with portfolios here now. You, yeah. you mentioned Michael McGrath is one of them, but Pascal Dunne would be the other one. Pascal Dunne is another, yeah. You're, you're, you're yeah. then looking at the likes of Heather Humphreys. Uh, perhaps there yeah. as well. So th there's a number of, of, of ministers that can be pulled together uh, and brought together on this one and let a bit of common sense kick in here. That's exactly what we're trying to do. But unfortunately, Keith, people's livelihoods are, you know, they have time is, is, is critical here and getting everyone together, uh, Christmas breaks and everything, it still hasn't been dealt with. The only positive I will say and as far as, as I think I, I did say before about everyone playing their part to get the communities of like Clarenbridge up and running the business community, 
we've had, uh, Galway County Council has had a meeting with OPW on the 17th of January and things are moving there to get, um, you know, to get some kind of immediate um, structure in place to protect going forward. So, you know, a lot, there is a lot of work going on in, in the background. Okay, for, you so know, you're saying to, so to just if, the confidence. If, you, if you take clear and bridge then, are you saying that they're going to put in flood mitigation um but at the moment, the aim is to develop. Um, I recommend what the, at the moment what I've been informed as of yesterday is that Goey County Council have submissions that are going to go forward to under the OPW Minor Works Program, um, on foot of a meeting on the seventeenth. In that is well, what I have submitted is that floodgates for all businesses. Um, again, the rest of the engineering, um, you know, there's engineers there that I'm not an engineer, Keith, but they, there's going to be a lot of, okay. um, you know, things going forward. So that is moving. And that's the minimum as uh, we can do here because the confidence, you know, as I said, we've still businesses that we've another business, which is very welcome news. I'm going to give a shout out to Lisa. Um, she's opening in the beginning of February. But there are still other businesses that are extremely worried because they're waiting for their funds okay. to come through. And let's, so, let's stick with it. Will you do a bit of work on it? Come back to us later in the week and we can take it uh, from there as well. Uh, but uh, Councillor Martina Canan, thank you to you for bringing that to our attention. But the good news is that it's been doubled uh, from there. Somebody's been on to us to say, are we getting a double week of pension this week? Are we getting a double pension this week? All I can tell you is that um, a double social welfare payment was announced as um, in January as part of the cost of living bonus uh, in the budget 2024. So they're saying that it's to be paid out to people this week. So some 1.3 million people will receive a double social welfare payment, uh, which cost it was costing 342 million in the budget uh, laid out last October. So you have it there. Um, yeah, you're getting a double pension week. That's my understanding of it. And if, you get, if you're getting any other social welfare payment, uh, you get a double payment, so you do it this week. That's my understanding of it. It's kind of, it's very clear from there. Tomorrow morning on the programme, though, let us uh, just tell you what we're going to have tomorrow morning. Tomorrow morning, we have an ATU issuing advice uh, to incoming students as the CAO application close on the 1st of Feb, indeed, which is coming quickly. Uh, Tonto, indeed, celebrating the Irish language and Galway as a bilingual city on St. Bridges weekend. That's a brilliant, brilliant one, so it is. We're looking at Neighbourhood Watch and Garda Recruitment Campaign. Uh, we'll be looking at that too as well, highlighted uh, by Sergeant um, Mick Walsh, who'll be joining us there. We have financial advice tomorrow with uh, Dave McCarthy and McCarthy and Associates. Get your questions into us to comments at C-O-M-M-E-N-T-S at galwaybfm.ie. Uh, just get them into us, uh, please. Uh, Ashtori Anwalia, indeed, um, plays Halla Moore in My Cullen on Saturday the 3rd and Sunday the 4th. We've details on that. And we have history talks with Christy Conniff, indeed, on the history of St. Bridget's Day as well. And Christy has a very interesting take on St. Bridget's Day. So we've that and more tomorrow morning for you between 9 o'clock and 12 midday. <laughs> That is it for today. We're back with you live from Studio One. So we are tomorrow morning, just starting after the nine o'clock news. From your studio, Keith Finnegan, John Morley, who produced today, and also Andy Quiva, who assisted. Have yourselves a good and a very safe Tuesday. We'll talk to you tomorrow, just after uh, the nine o'clock news. Comment C O M M E N T S at GoldwayBFM.ie is the way to contact us. Talk to you then. Bye bye.